Good morning. I'd like to thank you for joining with us again. Um, been a difficult time that we're going through. Just a few announcements before we get started. First of all, um, on our website, on the menu bar, if you look, it says Worship Matters. That's going to be an online study that we'll be doing together through Zoom. If you click on that, go down the bottom of the page, there's a box called Starting Up with Zoom, and I will walk you through that process, how to download that, and how to operate it. Also, I've been asked by Rashonda to tell all you youth to make sure that you have Zoom downloaded so you can be able to participate. What's nice about this technology is you can have real-time conversation back and forth. Like right now, all I can do is talk to you. I can't see you or hear you, but that technology allows you to do that. So take advantage of that and keep looking at our website, our social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well to keep up with everything that's going on. Um, before we get started, let's open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear a word from you. Now, Father, I pray for everyone out there who's watching that, Father, you continue to wrap your arms of love, mercy, and peace around them all. Draw them close to your side and pray that your peace that passes all understanding will develop them, not only today, but the rest of the day, in the coming days and weeks and months ahead of us. Father, speak to us. Mold us and shape us into the men and women you've called us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We continue our walk through the book of Ezra this morning. Ezra chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 will be our text. And a way of introduction, I would just like to say, wouldn't it be great if life was just real easy all the time? And right now we're not having a very easy time, are we? No, because we know life doesn't work like that. I mean, think about it. If there was only downhills and no uphills, if there are only mountaintops with no valleys, if there are only roses with no thorns, if anything would just be okay, work out the way we wanted to, it should be a lot easier, more comfortable, wouldn't it? But that's not how things work. We're always going to face opposition. We're always going to face obstacles and challenges. It reminds me of a story of an old sea captain had a old boat that he was going through a bad storm, and on that boat on this particular day, what happened to be a young sailor, his very first cruise, he's out there in a huge storm, the waves are crashing, and he's very nervous, asked the captain, hey captain, are we going to make it to port? And the captain looked at him, he said, well son, this is a very old boat, it's very leaky, we may just go down. Then again, the boilers don't work very well because they're old, we may go up. But no matter what happens, if we go up or we go down, we're going to press on until we make it to port. See, Captain, looked at opposition and faced it head on. And that's what we see happening in this passage. However, as they face the opposition, they did one thing wrong. And we'll look at that in just a moment. So the question for us this morning is not if we're going to face opposition. The question is, how are we going to deal with it when it comes? Look around you right now. There's a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty what's going on in our country today. We as Christians, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we need to demonstrate to the people 
The peace we have doesn't come from the stimulus package, doesn't come from the President or Congress, but it comes from God himself because we have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. We need to demonstrate the peace that we have, that we hold on to despite the circumstances around us. And I pray if you don't have that type of peace right now, you would seek out God. Seek out Christ right now. Don't let this uh, barrier, if you will, not be able to come physically, stop you from coming to know Christ and to have a deeper relationship with him through this period. Right now, let's look at the text, Ezra chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Now when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the people of the exile were building a temple to the Lord God of Israel, they approached the Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's households and said to them, Let us build with you, for we, like you, seek your God. And we have been sacrificing to him since the days of Eshton, king of Assyria, who brought us up here. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the father's households of Israel said to them, You have nothing in common with us in building a house to our God. But we ourselves will together build the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and frightened them from building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their counsel and all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. The enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that they were building, these people of the exile were building a temple. Now, this group called enemies is the same people referred to in chapter 3, verse 3. Many were from Samaria, descendants of those brought from the Assyrians and from elsewhere in the empire. We know that Sargon II of Assyria repopulated Israel, the northern kingdom, with people from other congregations after the fall of Samaria in 722 B.C. Their attitude in hearing about what was going on was one of suspicion, one of listening intently, almost like eavesdropping on someone they considered to be suspicious. They wanted to keep an eye on them, if you will. And our opposition when it comes, comes with distrust. Have you ever met somebody who's inherently suspicious. I mean, one who thinks there's a grand conspiracy behind everything. And perhaps even now, you've heard a lot of conspiracies about what's going on. That, that kind of person that always talks about those type of things. See, many people are suspicious of people who are different than they are. But think about it. When these people came in, this exile group, this remnant, they were different. They recently came to Babylon. What's the first thing they did when they came into Jerusalem? They gathered by a big old pile of rubble, and they started to build. They got noisy and excited over an altar and a slab, the foundation, and they were different. And it made them suspicious about what this group was really up to. Here's a group that just came in, started doing all this stuff, and hey, what, what's really going on here? And that reminds me when we as Christians live like we're supposed to live, we are supposed to be different than the world. When other people get all worked up, worried, and angry, we're supposed to be different than that. When other people are rude and cruel and foul-mouthed, we are supposed to be different than that. When other people gossip 
backbite and tear each other apart, we are called to be different than that. We are called to be different than the world. And what a perfect opportunity. And like I said last week, don't look at this what we can't do. Look at the great opportunity we do have to show people, not just by words, but by our actions, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be different than the world. Hey, Tim, aren't you worried about your job and economic stuff that's going to happen? Yes, of course I'm concerned. But I also have this peace that God gives me that passes all understanding, knowing that God's in control. What's that mean? I know this doesn't surprise God. God has a plan. And he's working that plan out. And he told me not to be worried about anything. He will take care of my needs. Now, do I walk around not being concerned and just go, whatever? No, I am concerned. I listen to people at work. And I have the opportunity to pray with some of my coworkers. But to demonstrate that peace and tell them about the one who gives me that peace. And that's the Lord God himself. But I want to give you somewhat of a warning because when we live different like that, some people, just like in our passage, as they view them with distrust and suspicion, they'll do the same thing with us. Prime example, look at some of the coverage that we get on the mass media as evangelical Christians. They always want to slam us for this or for that. They see us as something strange. Something suspicious, something to keep around. They can't understand about the forgiveness that we can grant to each other. They can't understand when they see that love of God. But why are you doing this? The first question they asked. And boy, when they ask that question, that opens the door open wide to tell them about who Jesus Christ is. Look what it says next in our text. It says, let us build with you. That's the enemies now. Remember, the text describes them as enemies. Let us build with you, for we, like you, seek your God. Now, they're enemies. That's the wording of the text. That's not my description. That's what the Bible says. The enemies of Judah and Benjamin. Seems to me that they might try to deceive them at this point. Did they go to the leaders and say, hey, we don't like you. We don't we, we distrust you. We have nothing to do with you. Just leave us alone. No. How they approach the leaders? Hey, you need some help. We'll come along with you and we'll help you. Were they coming with alternative motives to try to infiltrate them? To see what they're really up to? Perhaps to mix with them as they've done in the past? These people, these enemies as the text describes them, were what we know of in the New Testament as Samaritans. Now, bear with me a little quick history lesson. Years before Babylon carried Judah the southern kingdom in exile. Even before Babylon conquered Assyria, Assyria conquered the northern tribes, the northern kingdom of Israel. They laid siege to their capital, Samaria, and carried some Jews into exile. Now they couldn't leave the land empty, so they repopulated the area with Assyrians. And some of those Assyrians intermarried with the Jews that were left. And the children of the, the children of these marriages what we know as Samaritans that we read in the New Testament. Now, can you see why there was some distrust and some animosity between these two groups when Jesus walked the face and he tells that story of the Good Samaritan? 
They didn't go over very well because they didn't like each other very well because of what's happening back here. Now, when Babylon conquered Assyria, many of them went back to Jerusalem. And what happened when they intermarried, their religion got kind of mixed up. In other words, when they got married, they started taking some of those practices from those people, along with the practices that they knew before, how to worship God, and they started blending them together. Now, they called the object of their worship God, Yahweh, but really what they're doing was not worship. In other words, they were mixing. It's like a, a buffet style. Let me just tell everyone out there. Don't ever take anyone's word for it. Just don't take my word for it. Look at the word of God to see what it says. There's so many Bible helps out there. Now. So many ways you can study the Bible. A lot of good resources out there to help you. And by the way, if you're a believer, you got the most important help that you ever can get. And that's the Holy Spirit of God. Read the text. Because a lot of our approaches to society today, I'll think a little bit of mysticism, I'll think a little bit of supernaturalism, I'll think a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and we end up with a, a montage of what we think God is, but it doesn't measure up what he really is. We, we've created an idol in our mind. Let me explain it this way. Nearly a lot, of, if you went out tomorrow, if you could go out tomorrow, just ask people, do you believe in God? Most of them will say yes. I believe in God. I, I believe in a higher being. But ask them about Jesus specifically, and that's when you'll see kind of a fork in your road, if you will. In other words, many will talk about loving Jesus, but many want to present Jesus as merely an option of many. But my uh, word to you this morning to that is look what the Bible says. Do you believe the Bible or don't you? John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Again, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator, also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So we believe the Bible. That's only two passages that I pulled out this morning that tells us Jesus is not just one of many options. He's the only option. He's the only way. So we have to be careful. We come to worship and we start looking at the Bible and see who God is. I tell you again, read the word for yourself. And after all this is over and you start going back into your churches, go to a place that preaches Christ and preaches the word of God. Not someone's option or what someone thinks. They preach the word and to tell you the truth. But look what they say back in our text. After they come say, hey, do you need some help? They tell them, you have nothing in common with us in building a house to our God. Now, to our ears, 21st century Americans, that seems a little bit rude, doesn't it? Somebody comes to help and say, hey, no, we don't want it. Now, I have to mention this again. Remember, it describes these people who are wanting to help the Jews here as enemies. So, they tell them, we don't want your help. They didn't want these people to come to them. God perhaps granted the sermon about not letting these people come into their group and mess everything up. Whether it, if they're described as enemies, it seems to me that their motives 
or possibly subversive. They were trying to get in there and change things up, maybe cause a little uh, friction between the people. By the way, I, I didn't prepare to say this this morning, but I just thought of this. How many times does a church get into a building project and man, oh man, fights break out about everything? The color of carpet, ceiling fan, so on and so forth. Because, like I said last week, when we get together to do God's work, we have to pray for each other and watch out for each other because the enemy will come in there and try to sort of things up. Perhaps that's what we see going on here. And remember, they, they claim to worship the same God. Though they acknowledge him by name, they also worship other gods. And here's a text, First Kings chapter 17, verses 33, and then 40 through 41. Look what it says about them. They feared the Lord and served their own gods according to the custom of the nations from among whom they had been carried away into exile. They did not listen, but they did according to their earlier custom. So while these nations feared the Lord, they also served their idols, their children likewise, and their grandchildren, as their fathers did, so they do to this day. So here's the word of God telling us that, yeah, they, they acknowledge God, but they worship other stuff. Other stuff got in the way. And we think of an idol as possibly a little thing carved out of wood or marble and people bounce it. See, an idol, dearly beloved, is anything that gets between you and God. God deserves, and rightly so, first place in our lives. Not an option, if you will. He deserves first place. See, the danger here is that worship will get muddy. And mixed, and it won't become worship after all. What I'm standing on, some people call a stage. No, it's not. I'm not acting. This is a platform which we stand on so people can hear us. By which we can lead music and people can hear us. It's just a platform. It's not a stage. This is a pulpit back in England. It was called the Sacred Reading Desk, where the Word of God is opened up and proclaimed. This is not a place for biblical speeches. This is not a place for my opinions. This is a place to preach and declare the word of God. We have to be very careful that as we look at worship, it's all about him, not about us. And that's what they're doing. They're protecting that. God is given the sermon. Don't let these people in. Now you think about this whole situation. Remember how short they were of manpower, how small the remnant was compared to how many it took to how many people it took to do the work. The practical thing would be, hey, come on in, we can use the bodies. We can use the extra people to do this work. But God is honored by the methods just as much as He is honored by the mission. So you can change your mythology so much. What I mean by the mythology, how we present the gospel. There's something wrong with changing that. You know, if I go talk to someone in the city, if I start talking about fishing, I might lose them. But put it in the context where they're at. But if I change that message too much, how I present it to them, I end up changing the message itself. If I focus all on God being forgiving and loving without mentioning his wrath and his judgment, then I'm misleading because I'm not being all the way truthful with them about the gospel message. See, the gospel message tells me that I'm a sinner 
I, I can't do nothing on my own. I've broken every one of God's laws. Jesus died. That's why Jesus had to die. And because God is loving and forgiving, he sent his son. So I may have eternal life. But see, we all have to answer for sin. Either we go to Christ and accept his sacrifice on the cross and him being Lord and Savior of our lives, or we can just wait at the end and pay it ourselves. So the gospel message, no one has to go to hell. God has done everything he possibly can. He's not going to force you. Jesus has paid the price. So when we present the gospel, is God loving? Yes. Is God is he for, loving and forgiving and merciful? Yes, he's all those things. But God is also God of wrath. God tells us himself in scripture, he is a jealous God. Wrath is coming. We must not lose sight of that. We must be truthful, if you will, when we tell them about the gospel. Now, this is where they kind of mess up this a little bit, because they tell the people, these enemies, that we ourselves will together build to the Lord God of Israel. They stood up to the opposition, thank you, but no, we're going to do it. We really have nothing in common with us. We don't worship the same God as us. We, we appreciate it, but no thank you. But look what they do. Look what they give credit to. As King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. God's the one who gave the sermon see past the lives of the enemy. They determined to do the work themselves, but they did it all under the wrong command authority. Who are they responding to? What a great opportunity to point them to the God of the Bible. I can imagine the opposition asking the questions, why are you doing this? Why won't you let us help you? Why are you different? What's with you people? We want to help and you're pushing us away. The people really gave the wrong response. King Cyrus, now were they under his authority? Well, yeah, kind of. But why are they doing it? King Cyrus is not the reason why they're rebuilding the temple. They are determined to rebuild that temple against all odds because they were obeying God. It was their, his sole authority. It was for his purposes. And under his command, they were building a temple, not King Cyrus. They forget about this whole thing was bringing honor and glory to God. What about the things we do here at Forestburg Baptist Church? Do we do it just for numbers and for pride? Why do you serve in the places you serve? Because Is it because you feel obligated? It's your duty? Or do you do it to bring honor and glory to God? Even as we go out to our jobs or in our homes, we should do all things to bring honor and glory to God. They stood up good in the opposition and said, no thank you. But they forgot to give credit where credit is due. Yes, King Cyrus sent them and had their blessing. But then again, remember back in Ezra, who gave King Cyrus, who moved upon his heart to let him go back in the first place? It was God. We always have to give credit where credit is due. Let me explain it to you this way. You go to the grocery store. You buy groceries. Where do those groceries come from? They come from the farms. Where do they get it from? Well, they have the animals. Where they, 
they put the seed in the ground. Oh, how's that happen? Because what we call Mother Nature, creation takes care of it. Who designed all that in the first place? Who, who takes care of everything? Who sends the rain? Who keeps this earth going? It's God. So everything that we have is not because of, of what we can do. It's all because of the blessings of God is my friend. God is always at work. And we get here to the end of the text. It says the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah. That response, they got a little upset. Okay, now they're going to discourage them. That word discourage literally means weakens the hands of the people of Judah. It means to deprive them of strength and courage to carry out the work of action. Perhaps they threatened them with physical violence. Not quite sure what it was, but they try to discourage them. So it begs the question, when has someone influenced you or a circumstance influenced you to keep from doing right? Even though we have these stay-at-home shelter in place that we should obey by, should never stop us from picking up the word of God for ourselves and reading it and studying it. Just because we're not meeting corporately together in this place to sing praises shouldn't stop you from worshiping God. Just because we're not here praying together shouldn't stop you praying to God. In fact, times like these, it should more intensify. And it's also times like these that we realize how important gathering together is because if you're like me, there's still that yearning as we fall about. I just wish I could see everybody out here today, but I can't. It reminds me of the importance of seeing each other because as great as this technology is, nothing comes close to seeing each other face to face. We are social beings. We are relational beings. That's how God created us, and that's what we're longing for. They discourage them. Look what it says. They hire counselors against them to frustrate their counsel. Perhaps Persian officials bribe to obstruct the builders, appear into the courts to misrepresent them. And look what it says. All the days of King Cyrus, King of Persia, to the reign of Darius, King of Persia. This is a continuous deal. And they just did it one time, that was over. They were out to set them and frustrate them for a very long time. Long time. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Our enemy doesn't take one shot at you and quit. Well, he's constantly attacking. He's constantly coming after us. That's the reason the book of Ephesians tells us to put on the whole armor of God to protect ourselves. Dearly beloved, when you go out that room and start your day without one piece of that armor, you're setting yourself up for attack and for fall. As God continues to prepare us for the work he has planned for us, Will we seek his guidance and do the things his way, even when they don't seem practical? Look where we're at today. We are still supposed to worship. We're still supposed to give of our talents, times, and financial resources. We're still supposed to pray and bear witness. Like I said last week, perhaps this is God's way and strip of everything we seem important, sports, money, all those idols get in our way. Force us out of our comfort zone, known as the church building, out there to the world to be his witnesses about who he is and who his son Jesus Christ is. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Opposition is coming. You can say that we're in some opposition now. We're facing some obstacles now and huge challenges. So we know they're going to come. But how are you going to handle them? Where's the first place you're going? Don't turn on Fox News. Don't turn on CBS. Go to your knees and call out to God. It's my advice to you. He's always there. Always listening. Always desiring that relationship with you. I will leave you in closing with this text. John 16, 33. The words of Jesus. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. Some translations you will have suffering. You're going to have hard times. But Jesus says, but take courage. Have overcome the world. You know, Easter's it's two weeks away. Easter can't be canceled. Jesus has risen from the grave. He sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me. Remember the words of Christ. This is not all there is, dearly beloved. It's all going to come to a screeching halt one day. That trumpet is going to blow and Jesus will descend. And everything on the earth will be gone. Are you ready for that day? Perhaps we're closer to it than we ever thought of before. My prayer is that if you don't know for sure that you'll spend eternity in heaven, you will seek that out today. Call me, text me, email me, email somebody you know who's a believer. Don't let these circumstances, don't let this opposition of these circumstances stand in your way of getting right with God. What a, what a small thing to do to make sure that your eternity is set. And fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, don't let this stand in your way of doing ministry. Go out there, check on your friends, check on your neighbors, check on your family, pray. And that, I'll tell you this, the most important thing we can do right now is to pray for each other. Pray for our country, for our president, for Congress, for our leaders. Pray for those who have contracted this virus. Pray for the health workers. We need to intercede on behalf of those that we intercede for their needs and go to the throne of grace that we may find help in time of need. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, you have overcome the world. That we can come to you. You have promised to walk through the storms and the valleys with us. Haven't promised to take us out, but you promised to walk with us through it all. And right now, dear God, I ask, whoever is out there watching at the moment, I pray, dear God, they will feel your presence in a real and tangible way, a way in which they never felt it before. Oh, God, draw men and women, boys and girls, unto your side. Wrap your arms of love and peace around each one. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.
see you next week.